Welcome back to the Culture Encounters podcast. I am your host, Chad Ombi, and we are here with the Culture Encounters founder, Ama. Uh, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm good, Chad. How are you? Well, it's Hi. Sunday here, so happy Sunday. Yes, happy Sunday. It's yeah. uh, definitely the weekends are appreciated so much more by me during the school year because we. <laughs> You know, you, you look forward to those two days. Yep. Uh, so it, it's always great to have that to look forward to during the week for sure. Yes. And then goes by so quickly. And then before oh you gosh. know it, it's 7 p.m. Sunday and you're freaking out about Monday already. You know, <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm already there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, so before we get into our episode, uh, which as you can see in the description is about raising a culturally intelligent child or children, mm-hmm. uh, we just did an episode um, on Halloween. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Halloween as a culture, you know, as a cultural institution in multiple different locations. And I brought up a conversation you and I had had briefly about how, you know, uh, Halloween was not a thing for you growing up culturally um, in Ghana. It was not celebrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of the iconography of Halloween, like witches and ghosts and spirits, uh, were it was seen as a taboo to, Mm -hmm. you know, personify those things. So. Um, talk a little bit about your experience growing up with that, um, what it was like for you when you came to America mm-hmm. and saw Halloween as an institution. Um, yeah. And is that still true today in Ghana? Is it still a taboo? Well, um, yeah, that, that's a good, great question. So growing up, let me go back to growing up. Right. Halloween was something, the first time I heard the word Halloween was in a book. And I think I was probably middle school which was what we call junior secondary school back then. Um, I think that's the first time I heard of it. Wasn't sure what it was, but then when I inquired, I mean, I was told it was, you know, some crazy thing that Americans do. <laughs> you know, all right. Right, right. And, I, and it didn't make sense to me because, like, let me tell you why. Africans, well, let me speak for Ghanaians. We are highly spiritual people, right? right? Good versus evil is a big deal. Um, anything that is considered evil or that represents fear or witchcraft is completely frowned upon. And so for me to hear that a witch is something we're dressing up as for Halloween is a complete no, no. And then from a religious perspective, um, I, I don't believe that. And we don't believe that as a culture. So moving here to the United States has been challenging because in October, I look around and it's the the skeletons, right? And the, and the witches and the witches' room and the black cats and all those things are symbols of evil that we shun, you know? So th- there is a play with what we call spirituality. And I think that it's becomes a challenge for a parent like me who is raising a child in this culture whose friends are inviting them to Halloween parties and who all everyone is showing up trick-or-treating, right? And then I'm like, we're turning off our lights. We're not celebrating. (laughs) Right, right, right. I remember one year I turned off the lights on Halloween and then my husband forgot that it was Halloween. So he came home and he turned on the lights and then our doorbell rang a few minutes later, and I, I was like, we don't have candy. Turn off the light. <laughs> yeah, so culturally, it's highly frowned upon um, in, in our culture. And it's not just mine. I noticed with most immigrant parents I talk to, they're like, yeah, we're not celebrating that. You know, so right. it's been hard um, trying to get our children to go the the route and the thought process we have about 
Halloween and it's, it's a battle. Um, last night I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine from Ghana and she struggled with that. She was like, we're not celebrating that. Right. And so there is a challenge, but I also do understand that it's something that happens in this country is the norm, you know? And so I respect people who celebrate it. I, as a teacher, when I was teaching in the classroom, you know, when there was Halloween parade, I would go on the parade. You know, I, I wouldn't dress up in anything. I'll probably wear orange usually, but I respected that. And I think being respectful, even if I'm not in agreement, being respectful about it and approaching it in more of a respectful way, I think is the way to go. Um, will I ever change my mind about Halloween? I probably won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm respectful of it. You know, I respect that it's a holiday that my country, my host country now celebrates. And now this is my home. Um, so I do respect it. Uh, do I agree with it 100%? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if that would change, but that's where I stand. Right. But answer the other part of your question, though. It was interesting. My husband and I were having this conversation yesterday, and we were talking to a friend about the same thing. And they were telling us that now in Ghana, like the celebrities are beginning to embrace Halloween. So they are costume parties. So it's becoming more westernized. And these Western influences are beginning to creep in. Um, Nationally, I think Ghana frowns on it. uh, But I think, you know, uh, as far as artists go and, you know, something to celebrate, people are beginning to, to bring that in. So, yeah, the world changes. The world is changing. And I feel like um, even if we don't agree that we need to be respectful right? And, and allow people to celebrate, if people want to celebrate Halloween, let them, you know, but I, um, I personally don't. Right. And I get that and respect that as well. And that mm-hmm. was brought up as well in the Halloween conversation is that we, mm-hmm. we do have part of being culturally intelligent is we do have to understand that not every culture yeah. celebrates the same things and yeah. you need to respect that. Yeah. Um, but it, it brings up another conversation the way like that was brought up, mm-hmm. uh, just now, um, a, a conversation for another day, um, mm-hmm. that I think would be really important to have is the idea right. of the other. Yes. Um, and I think it's interesting because from what I'm seeing, every mm-hmm. culture has that, yes. every culture has that concept of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can lead to, that can lead to just, you know, being like, Oh, good versus evil, but it could also lead to some very dangerous places um, as far as like, um, you know, you had mentioned uh, when we're talking witches or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 1692 um, in America led to a genocide. Yes. Uh, You know, the othering of people who were labeled Mm -hmm. witches literally led to um, a genocide um, right here in Virginia, but mostly, you know, in the New England territories. But uh, so uh, it would be an interesting conversation, I think, at some point to have about. Yeah, I think we should, yeah. Yeah, about like why, mm-hmm. you know, why different cultures have tend to other people who are different and, yeah. you know, what we can do using yeah. cultural intelligence to yeah. stop that. Exactly. Um, right. Um, so, yeah, thank you for your openness and honesty yeah, about, yeah. about that. Um, yeah. You know, Please I think- don't put any yeah, negative comments in there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no. don't have to be. It's just cultural. <laughs> no, no. And and to speak for you, Ama is not advocating that you need to <laughs> not celebrate Halloween or that it's something that needs to be prayed away or anything like that. She's just saying that she personally chooses not to celebrate it. And that is one hundred percent, you know, her it's right. To <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So 
just providing some extra context for her. There you uh, go. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. Yeah, no, <laughs> she to to you know use the current colloquialism. Uh, you do you. Yeah, it is is kind of definitely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so um, going now to you know we're talking about uh, one thing, Ama. You brought up was you know being an immigrant coming mm-hmm. to. America and the interactions you have with uh, being a parent and raising mm-hmm. a child or two children in this case yeah. um, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about what it has been like for you as a mother mm-hmm. and, you know, raising children in another country from where yeah. you were raised. Um, what has that experience been like for you? A challenge. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's definitely been challenging. Uh, it's challenging because I am still learning this culture. You know, I've lived here over twenty years, but I'm still learning every day. I'm still understanding and I'm still adjusting. So personally, I'm growing in that space of integrating into a culture like this, whilst at the same t- time trying to navigate what parenting means in a culture like this, right? So for example, I was in a conversation with someone this afternoon and we're talking about my daughter and I said, well, we're beginning to talk college. We're beginning to look at colleges. She's a junior now. And I have no idea how to navigate that world because I did not go to high school here. My bachelor's degree is not from here either. I came here and went to graduate school. So it's more the advanced degree experience is what I have from here. But right up to my bachelor's degree, I've been overseas, right? And so I don't understand, you know, the SAT and how all that plays out. So I'm learning and also in the process of trying to navigate that as a parent, guiding my child. And so I feel like that has actually allowed my child to be more independent in this space because honestly, I don't know. Um, she's taking uh, an AP class and I was like, what is AP? What does that mean? (laughs) Right. I didn't know that. I I don't. And Mm -hmm. I think that speaks to um, the challenges a lot of immigrant parents face um, is the fact that we're still learning as we're raising um, our children. So it hasn't been easy. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not been easy. It's also understanding how my own culture influences um, how I raise my child. I come from a place where being an authoritarian parent is applauded, right? You have to be right. strict and it's, it's the corporal punishment. It's my way or the highway. And that is applauded, right? Into coming to a culture. And especially now that I'm a family life coach as well, understanding that, ooh, that system does not work here. I could actually go to jail for doing, yeah. you know, spanking or whatever. Right. And, and trying to navigate that, you know? And, and then there is this notion also that, um, children raised in the West are usually um, very liberal and that they're um, so like I, I've heard things like, oh, if you raise your child in America, you're going to spoil them. Right? <laughs> right. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because I've met children in America who are not spoiled, whose no, parents, yeah. you know, uh, are have are well rounded and their children are well-rounded as well. So that is a myth, which is not true. So trying to balance all of that, trying to balance, is my child Ghanaian or is my child American? If my child is neither, then what are they and how do I help them to embrace both cultures, creating their own third culture, right? right? And so there's that challenge as well. There's a challenge of, okay, if I take them back home to visit, 
they're not Ghanaian enough. They don't fit in. Um, here, they are not fitting in quite as well. Um, let me tell you um, the story. So my my son, my youngest, um, wrote an essay when he was in, I think, third or fourth grade. And he brought it home and I'm reading this essay. And in the essay, he talks about this ethnic dish that I cook at home at least once a week. And he thought every American child went home and ate the same dish that he did, right? Did not understand that everyone else in his class were eating something else that he wasn't eating on a regular basis. So he starts talking about this dish called banku with okra stew and then realizes that, oh, I'm the only person who eats banku and okra stew, right? And so how do you, and so when he finds that out, it's surprising to him, but then it also opens his eyes to the fact that he's being raised differently than the other kids in his class. Um, and, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how that affects a child like that, positively, negatively. Um, but there is, uh, uh, you know, a lot of unknowns um, raising a child as an immigrant parent. But I think the best thing is to understand your child and a lot right. of conversation, a lot of dialogue, it's, it's the way to go. And that's how we've been able to navigate it to this point. Right. You know, and I think dialogue is important for, absolutely. Uh, you know, the kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for you, like you were saying, yeah. and uh, hopefully one positive is that, you know, the, the kids that are in classes with your children, they're mm-hmm. learning about other cultures and mm-hmm. by being around them. And let me preface by saying it is not your child's job to, you know, be the poster children for other cultures. It is not absolutely. their job. It is yeah. not their job to do that. But yeah. if an unintended consequence of, you know, other kids being friends with them and everything is they get mm-hmm. to learn about another culture, that's incredible. Right. Um, right. You know, my best friend growing up um, is an immigrant mm-hmm. um, and he's been on the show. Shout out to him. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I learned so much just by being around him and his mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, and my life is so much better and more yeah. a, I had a much richer childhood because of it. So mm-hmm. hopefully that, that can be a positive unintended consequence of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you'd mentioned the open dialogue, which I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, goes into the next part of, of this, uh, which is cultural intelligence. Mm-hmm. Briefly, briefly, def- ah, briefly, words are hard, uh, <laughs> define what cultural intelligence means to you. Yeah. Uh, and then um, why why we should, um, you know, why should we have these conversations about being culturally intelligent with our kids? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So let, let's try to define it. There's a lot of there are a lot of definitions out there um, on the Internet, um, but there is a definition that really stands out to me. It's really simplistic, but I think that's why it stands out to me it, in, in a nutshell. Cultural intelligence is the ability to relate and adapt and communicate with someone from a different cultural background, right? So let's break it down. My ability to be able to connect with you, Chad, based on your own background, your own influences, your own culture, for me to be able to meaningfully engage with you Mm -hmm. shows how culturally intelligent I am. Right. And it's kind of built on the premise of um, IQ and EQ, which is emotional um, quotient or emotional intelligence, being aware of your own um, 
cultural influence, influence your own biases, how your culture allows you to see the world, being aware of that, and then using that to pretty much engage meaningfully with someone else who is totally different from your own. I think that is what cultural, cultural intelligence is. Um, it's, it's prevalent. It's, you know, it's a word that is being tossed around now, especially if you're on LinkedIn, I see it all the time, cultural intelligence, cultural intelligence, it's Mm -hmm. being applied in the workplace. It's in schools now, you know, everyone is talking about being culturally intelligent, especially in this age where we're also looking at, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging work. Um, that word, um, that phrase cultural intelligence seems to be coming up very frequently, now, right. let's talk about why it's important. Uh, why do we need to be culturally intelligent? And why do we have to raise children who are culturally intelligent? So let's go back to your example with your best friend growing up, right? So right. His, he is a child of an immigrant and being um, living in the United States and now in school with you, right? And that right. is how your horizons got broadened because you were engaging with him meaningfully as a best friend. Um, I, that is a great example because our world is becoming borderless, right? And immigration numbers are on the rise. It's not just immigrants coming from South America. It's immigrants migrating all over the world, um, for jobs, um, for tourism, you know, people, are now in a place where they can actually afford vacation more than they used to back in the day economically. So people are traveling. So the world is moving, right? And so because the world is moving, our chances of engaging with someone from a different culture is higher, right? So there is a need for us to be culturally intelligent so we can meaningfully engage with people we come across. That is one reason. The other reason is that due to technological advancement, we are on the internet. We're meeting people from different cultures. Um, you uh, were, com- were involved in when we did our Zooms online, especially right. during COVID. We had people, we had kids from Ghana joining our Zoom. We had kids in England. We had kids all over Europe and the United States Zooming in. And we all found ourselves in one space. We are also now in the workplace where we're doing business with people from different countries and different cultures, right? Right. And so there is a need um, for us as parents and also our children to be well-equipped to do business with the world. And if we don't, we will be left behind, unfortunately. I know that is such a strong statement to make. Um, But the world we're living in now requires that we engage with everybody and everyone we come in contact with. If not, we will be left behind. And I I agree with that. That makes sense. But then also, like you had mentioned in the workforce, for example, um, you know, uh, something that I'm sure people have noticed is, you know, you do have um, these initiatives of equity in um, Mm -hmm. culturally diverse uh, workplaces. Right. However, you know, that needs to be meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it needs to mean something and it needs to be... um, I remember in like to kind of make my point in college, I was a part of a um, cultural, uh, a cultural diversity and inclusion council. Mm. And um, really there were some that were incredibly um, active about this and really wanted to make, you know, the campus more inclusive and hopefully it is now. Uh, I hope so. 
Yeah. Um, but when it first started, there were many who were more concerned about where we were going to go eat for dinner and the uh, the big sale we were going to do versus actually creating yeah. an, an inclusive environment. And yeah. it's because I, I think I worry that there are so many that just see diversity as a statistic, as a number, yeah. as a yeah. box to check, yeah. um, you know, culturally in the corporate world. And yeah. it needs to be meaningful. The cult, like diversity means nothing without the inclusion piece. So you have exactly. to actually have the inclusion piece and the way to get there is through cultural intelligence exactly. um, and, you know, through respecting and embracing these other cultures. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's something I was guilty of for a long time. Um, you know, uh, we all have our own implicit biases, right? Yes. And yes. Um, it doesn't mean that you're like this horrible racist or this horrible prejudiced person. Mm -hmm. It just means mm -hmm. due to your cultural background, you have implicit yeah. biases that you're exactly. aware of, right? Yes. So yes. Um, cultural intelligence has helped like learning about that. And I'm still not perfect. I'm a work in progress as we yeah. all are. Yeah. Um, but it has helped me through the years understanding, okay, mm -hmm. This is implicit bias. This is bias mm -hmm. that has been perpetuated by society. Yeah. I, need, I need to acknowledge that yeah. and then move on, grow from it and become a more accepting and intelligent person. Exactly. And, you know, and that's something that um, hopefully as the world continues to grow, we can get better with. Mm -hmm.